Hello and welcome to the Pivot Podcast. The Pivot Podcast. Where we go episode by episode and talk all about the show Friends, the 90s, and everything in between. I'm Natalie. And I'm Tiana. Now let's pivot. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Happy hump day. Welcome back to the Pivot Podcast. Pivot Podcast. Season one, episode 13 is on deck for you guys today. The one with the boobies. I know. it's just makes your inner five-year-old laugh. The one with the butt and the one with the boobies. Oh, yeah. I didn't even put that together. <laughs> All in the same season. <laughs> I mean, anyone that takes themselves way too seriously, like, stop listening now because... This is a funny episode, and it's because there's boobies in it, and I'm sorry. Lots of boobies and pranks, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get on board with our 10-year-old selves right exactly. now. <laughs> okay, but before we get into the actual episode, we've got some good stuff. I'm so excited about this, tea. Speaking of pranks. Okay, so we talked last episode about smut. Yes. and Or I guess last episode, episode before, wherever it was. Both episodes. And we decided that we were going to buy each other a smut book. Yeah, because we don't read these books. We have no. no idea like what they actually entail, really. Have no clue. And so we were going to buy one for each other, and then we were going to have to read it, and then we, we're not going to do like a book dissertation oh, God, on this, no. but we'll give our I'm reactions. Just, I'm just curious how far we get in. Like, are we actually going to finish these books, or is it we're just going to get like 10 pages in and be like, I can't. <laughs> I'm interested. We'll see. Or will there be babies made from these books? Oh, we God. <laughs> or it's like, we're it just like, now I just, all I read are smut books. We'll oh see. God. I don't think it'll go that far, but, I don't but think we'll so. see. So, okay. So Tiana and I decided that we did, were not revealed, so we don't know what we got for yeah, each other. Surprise. So it was really fun researching smut books. They were hilarious. You would have researched them. I just go to the <laughs> store and I'm like, which one looks the most inappropriate? Oh no, I'm on Goodreads. I'm looking at Amazon <laughs> reviews. I'm like, what's the page count? Like... I, w I was researching. I, oh it totally God. speaks to our personalities. It totally does. Okay. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Okay. So I got you a lovely book by Tessa Dare, USA Today bestselling author, by the way. <clears throat> so this is part of the Girl Meets Duke series. Oh God. It's the first book. So you have a long road to go if you actually like these, but it's called <laughs> The Duchess Deal. <laughs> Okay, can you describe for our listeners what the front cover looks like? Because I think that's half yeah. the fun. We should take pictures because it's funny. So there's a lovely brunette man with a white shirt that's like kind of draped down. Oh, like his shoulders are showing, his chest is showing. And then there's a woman, a lovely brunette woman uh, with a wedding dress, I think. And they're both embracing. Their foreheads are touching. She's grabbing his neck. He's grabbing her arm. And they look like they're in love. Oh, it's How? very romantic. I was looking at Fabio, but there were way too many. I was shocked you didn't pick Fabio. I know. Oh, God. He came okay. up in do you want to hear the synopsis? I do. Let's go. Okay. So, <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is long. Since his return from war, the Duke of Asbury's to-do list has been short and anything but sweet. Brooding, glowering, menacing London near-do-wells by night. Okay. Now there's a new item on the list. He needs an heir, which means he needs a wife. When Emma Gladstone, a vicar's daughter, like, of course, there's a vicar's daughter. Oh, my God. You picked one with the vicar's daughter? Yeah. Are you kidding me? 
It's intentional. Turned seamstress <laughs> appears in his library wearing a wedding gown. Oh, that must be from the front. He decides on the spot that she'll do. Interesting choice. Gross. His terms are simple. They will be husband and wife by night only. No lights, no kissing, no questions about his battle scars. Lastly, and most importantly, once she's pregnant with his heir, they need never share a bed again. But she's no pushover, and she has a few rules of her own. Oh, my God. I'm this, not, the suspense I'm so intrigued. Me. This is going to be awesome. So I'm just going to leave this here. Okay. That's for you. You're welcome. We will take pictures, you guys, and you guys can see these <laughs> on our Instagram. Yeah. Okay, T. I what got, do I get? I got you a wicked game. Ooh, by Kate Bateman. Okay, it. Okay, to describe the cover, so it is a brunette man in like, like royal, almost like army garb, and he is behind this woman who's got like an off the shoulder length like long flowy dress and she's kind of leaning her head to the side like oh and he's whispering in her ear grabbing her waist and her arm and it looks very sensual so (laughs) this is hilarious (laughs) this is really funny okay this is kind of long too so i'll go quick okay um a teasing bet shipwrecked and imprisoned thanks to an incorrect map captain morgan davies has returned to london to exact sweet revenge on the cartographer responsible for his suffering he's also (laughs) vowed to claim the winner's prize three kisses in the bet he made with his longtime nemesis the prickly smart-mouthed harriet montgomery his incarceration has clarified his feelings for her but convincing the infuriating woman that he wants to marry her is going to be his greatest challenge yet when harriet's revealed that to be the very map maker he seeks, Morgan decides to combine revenge and seduction into one delightful package. Cartographers and seduction, give Woo! it to me. Let's go. Oh my God. We both picked books based in London. I know. Isn't that funny? I do love London. That was part of the uh, the recipe for an erotic novel, according to Nota Bing. Nota Bing, she says, a half a dozen uh, European cities in London it would fit that bill. <laughs> the ruthless rival. This is hilarious. Okay, well, add it to the list. Let's go. All right. <laughs> okay, now that we got that out of the way, Graham's going to be like looking over my shoulder like, what are you reading? Oh my God, if anybody comes to my house, I'm, they're not allowed in my room to see that on my nightstand. I already, I already told him what the deal is, so. Okay. <laughs> He's prepared. Well, good. Well, we also have some really fun things to read. Natalie's got some corrections. Oh my God. I Do you want to start? I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I did this, you guys. But this is why we ask for you to email us. So we're going to read a few emails. And one of them is from one of our lovely listeners, Miss Kala, out of Oklahoma. So she lovingly corrected me. She said, love learning about friends. I haven't seen it all the way through. Fun fact. Actually, she also talks about Jennifer Coolidge, so mm-hmm. this is fun. Jennifer Coolidge was on Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. She was a massage therapist. Jerry dated. He was constantly dropping hints that he wanted a massage, and she <laughs> would never give him a massage. That would, that's interesting. I love that she was on Seinfeld. I that She's just everywhere. Jennifer Coolidge is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, also, endocrinology is not the study of the skin, which is where <laughs> I screwed up. <laughs> yeah it they study the organs that release hormones think a doctor that helps people with diabetes <laughs> that made me laugh real hard keep up the good work thanks kyla <laughs> keep doing the lord's work natalie <laughs> with misrepresenting all of the ologies <laughs> that's okay does anybody actually care no not really unless you're an endocrinologist <laughs> right sorry all you endocrinologists who listen to this podcast i know 
<laughs> Don't know if there's any. Um, we also got a fun DM yes. from Andrea. Oh, yes. Our girl Andrea, our listener out of Texas, she uh, wrote us to talk about the three loves. Yes, because I knew I was getting it from somewhere. And of course, it's from Sex in the City because along with friends, I do love me some Sex in the City. Oh, who doesn't? I know. It's, you know, they go hand in hand. But Andrea said that the great loves things from Sex in the City, Carrie was talking about having Big and Aiden. Here lies Carrie. She has two loves and lots of shoes or something to that effect. Nice. So thanks, Andrea. Love it. Yes. Okay. And our last listener email is from Jeff. We've talked about how we love the name Jeff. This actually happens to be my dad, Jeff. What up, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff from Arvada. So Jeff's email says, hi there, Tiana and Natalie. I have a question for you regarding the Friends opening theme song. Also the story of the water fountain scenes during the song. I think it's probably the most memorable TV series song I can think of. Agreed. Even mm-hmm. Maybe even ranking ahead of all-time greats like The Office, Cheers, and MASH. I know I'm dating myself with those three. I mean, I do know Cheers in The Office. MASH, I do not. Could you tell us a little history about the song and the group who sings it? Did they ever get any lasting notoriety from the show? Love your podcast, by the way, Jeff from Arvada. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Dad. So, yes, actually, I'm surprised we didn't think about this earlier, but yes, the song. I learned a lot of new things. Ooh, I'm excited. So the opening theme song, as we know, is I'll Be There For You. Yep. It's performed by the Rembrandts, Mm -hmm. an an American alternative rock duo, Danny Wilde and Phil Solemn. They formed in 1989, but the music, so the mu- that was who performed it. The music was actually written by Michael Skloff, these names, and the lyrics were written by David Crane, Marta Kaufman, Kaufman Ali Willis, Danny Wilde, and Phil Schoen. So David Crane and Marta Kaufman wrote part of the song. I had no idea. This is no. so cool. Do you recognize the name Michael Skloff? No. Oh my God. Okay. So this is later in the series and it's the college reunion and Ross is going back through who, uh, Ellen Pompeo when she has a, yeah. a, um, guest appearance on here dated because both Chandler and, uh, Ross wanted to date her. I can't remember what her character name is, but we'll get there. And, um, she, he says at the end, he's like, she dumped him for Michael Scoff. No way. Yes. How did you pick that out of a haystack? Have no idea. How did I know that it was uh, Bill Pullman who was in freaking, you know, uh, sleep while you were sleeping? Every time I keep saying it's sleepless in Seattle. It's not the movie. Okay. (laughs) Back to the theme song. So originally the theme song was going to be Shiny Happy People by R.E.M., but they declined. Shocking. It is a great song, but... That is really surprising to me. Yeah. So the Rembrandts were selected because they have a similar sound to R.E.M. Mm-hmm. I would you, agree. Yeah. So it's interesting. The one minute version of the song was created. Then it was actually extended to three minutes and released for sale by the duo. Mm. And um, it got huge because it, it got huge popularity by playing on the radio. So, yes, they did get notoriety. Um, initially, the Rembrandts had been reluctant, but were convinced by the Warner Brothers um they basically the record label said that they had to finish the song there was no way to get out of it you must do it you must do it or you die you know so but the the song was popular it topped the billboard 100 hot 100 airplay chart for eight weeks and then the single when it was released reached number two in the united kingdom and reached number 17 on the u.s billboard hot 100 so wow really popular 
Love that the showrunners were part of the lyrics. That is really cool. Like, so I don't know. I mean, maybe that's happened in other shows, but that is really unique to me. Yeah, that's really really cool. I like that. I loved it. So yes, thank you for thank you for that little inquisitive journey. Yes, love Dad. it. <laughs> well, this episode, our writer is Alexa Young again. I and like her. I, I like too. Alexa Young episodes. I'm starting to realize. Me too. I'm, I'm noticing the stylistic differences in a couple of them, and I, I'm digging her too. Mm-hmm. Our director is Alan Meyerson. Alan. And <laughs> Alan. Alan. And then our original air date, January 19th, 1995. Lovely. Okay, well, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Handmade goods are becoming more and more rare these days. You can support our newest sponsor, the Stitch Sisters, and keep handmade artisans thriving. The Stitch Sisters crochet handmade goods, anything from beanies and headbands to Christmas ornaments. Check them out at Etsy at the Stitch Sisters store or find them on Instagram at Stitch Sisters store. Okay, let's get into it. Episode recap. So I grouped Chandler, Rachel, Joey, and Monica together. And then there's Phoebe and Joey. Yes. So this first one is a very intentional group. So the episode opens with Chandler accidentally seeing Rachel's boobies after she's just come out of the shower. This is funny. I know. It's such a good, it's such a good intro intro and like, ah! Yes. So later in the episode, Chandler, of course, can't stop staring at Rachel's breasts. And Ross comes up with the solution that since Chandler saw Rachel's boobies, he needs to show Rachel his pee-pee. Oh my God. Tit for tat. So, oh yeah, that whole line is like, well, you're not seeing my tat. Yeah. Well, I'm not showing you my tat. I love that. So good. So this sets off a, se- a series of the friends trying to peep the other friend in revenge in the mm-hmm. shower. When Rachel later on in the episode learns Chandler's in the shower, she goes over to peep. But whoop, there's Joey. It's not Chandler. Nope. Next, Joey goes over to the girls' apartment expecting the for the booby payback express. Like all of these little like just innuendos built it like they're so funny. Yes. Um but now it's Monica showering. <laughs> Whoops. Whoop. And uh then Monica goes back over to pay the favor to the guys' apartment and at the end it's Mr. Tribbiani, oh, Joey's dad. Oh, hello will, dear. We will meet. Hello dear. I know he's so nice and <laughs> gracious. Oh, hello dear. <laughs> Mr. Trib. So that is the booby payback express. Just some of the good um, quotes around this, Nat. Like, these are not her boobs. These are her breasts with Phoebe. Yes. She like points to Anatomically them. Anatomically correct. Back and forth. Oh my gosh. I yeah. love that one. This one I use a lot like with Graham of like when you just say something's nice. Like, because Chandler's like, I don't know what you're so mad about. They were very nice boobies. <laughs> Which is like nice, like offended. Like, I mean, mittens are nice like if you say something's nice nice is just so blah yeah no 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 you need to say that they were great they were yeah. the best i've ever seen <laughs> perfectly shaped love it symmetrical <laughs> and then last one chandler being it's time, time to, to see, see your, your thing. thing like the writing in this episode so good it's so quippy mm, thank you quippy mm. that's a good word for it okay next febe Bye bye. So Phoebe has a new boyfriend, Roger, who yeah. is a psychiatrist. Gross. I know. He's just not a good fit. No. So Phoebe, but you know, Phoebe really likes him because he's cute and not too shrinky. Well, yet. Yet. So we see when they meet Roger right away, he starts to read the friends. First up, Chandler. Oh my God. 
He says Chandler has intimacy issues and uses humor as a way of keeping people at a distance. He calls out that he's an only child and parents divorced before he hit puberty. This is, I, we've been talking about this a lot, but yeah. I, you finally gave me Matthew Perry's memoir mm-hmm. and I started reading it and I'm just like, Matthew Perry is Chandler, Chandler is Matthew Perry. And then yeah, you this, cannot separate. No. And then this happened and I was just like, oh my God, like this. <laughs> This is him. It's it's literally him. Like, that is who Matthew Perry is. He uses humor as a way to address his intimacy issues and keeping people at a distance. Exactly. Like, that is literally what he did as a human. And it's, it's, it's into the Chandler character. So I'm curious of, like, I feel like they wrote Chandler like that, but I do think he's probably bringing his own experience into it as they're writing his lines and his character, don't you think? I would agree. Yeah, yeah. he has to be kind of giving some of that backstory because he uses it as humor. So they mm-hmm. have to be using it as, like, some writing tools, too, mm-hmm. because it's just so on point that there's no way that they could have created Chandler blindly and been like, oh, yeah. Did you get to this part of the book? He talks about when they started, the producers, the showrunners took all of the friends to lunch one at a time to get to know them so that they could write a little bit of their personalities into their characters. And I'm pretty sure Matthew Perry said something about hates being alone. Yes. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he addressed like all of those qualities. Oh, okay. No, I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm going to okay. pay attention when I do. Okay. Up next, Raj. I love he's like, Raj. His next victim is Ross. Ooh. I do feel bad for Ross in this. He tells Ross he wanted his marriage to fail, so um, he married a lesbian due to low self-esteem or to compensate for overshadowing a sibling, and the sibling would feel less like a failure in the eyes of the parents. This one always made, felt like a stretch to me. Like, I don't maybe know. Maybe psychiatrists really feel like that, but like the line, hey, I married a lesbian to make you look good. Oh, that is a such a good line, but I don't know. It just always seemed like, wait, how do you go from like marrying a lesbian for self, low self esteem to marrying a lesbian because your sister's insecure? It's weird. I th- it's weird. It's I yeah. think he's saying that Ross is insecure also. Oh, okay, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But still, like, yeah. it's a very shrinky thing. Yep. So next up on the on the Raj batting batting cage is Rachel. He breaks down Rachel until she's crying about her weebles and um, that she had as a child. And then he just leaves. Swift exit. Got to go to the movies, Phoebe. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then there was the weeble this. <laughs> and they were in there so they, they could wobble. <laughs> I, that was a toy. And I knew about the weebles. But I, ne- I, I never I never had a weeble. I don't, need- I don't really know what a weeble is. That might be something we'll have to Google. Because I think I would like to see what a weeble is. What's a weeble? <laughs> What's a lesbian? What's a lesbian? <laughs> so as they're leaving the apartment, one last thing, he tells Monica to go easy on the cookies because they're just food. They're not love. Ouch. Oh, Raj hit that one right I, in the kisser. I haven't learned this lesson, so <laughs> I feel you, Monica. Yes. Um. Later on, the friends are like, Phoebe, we hate that guy. Like They're like, this guy is not working out. She's bothered by it and confronts Roger, telling him that her friends think he's intense and creepy. Yes. And it sparks him on this aggressively, aggressively, I, I call it like, it's not a passive aggressive lash out. It's an aggressive, aggressive lash out about, quote unquote, their dysfunctional group dynamic, the kind of codependent, emotionally stunted, sitting in your stupid coffee house with your stupid big cups, which I'm sorry, might as well have nipples on them. Oh, the best rant ever. It's a good one. Also, another Freudism. 
because it's talking about the cups with the nipples mm-hmm. and all of that weird stuff that yeah what is that oh i don't know i'm, I'm sure i could think of it but anyways yes so here we are freud subconscious central, central theme they definitely wind it these things through like it's nice to do the little tie bags to the earlier episodes but phoebe goes back to the group i hate that guy yes and you're like yeah we do too gross so next up joey and his dad um joey's dad comes to town to visit because he has a job in midtown he's meeting all the friends he steps in and he asks phoebe about her old boyfriend ross's wife and then tells chandler to say something funny after rogers just read him <laughs> poor guy can't catch a break and not catch a break poor chandler no. do you ever get like if someone's like i'm a psychiatrist do you ever get like Ooh, stay back uh, or do you kind of like no i could talk to you like analyze my dreams yeah maybe a little bit i'm more like ooh, now i'm just curious and they probably are like i don't want to talk about work <laughs> true and unless I, you're roger oh right and he's all about it but yeah yeah i don't know that, that's a tough one that's and, a that's a tough uh job to say that you do i think it'd be hard to date a psychiatrist too because like they're probably like it's like get out of my brain Right. So we actually have some neighbors and we met them. They're new new neighbors down the street and they told us, you know, we're we're therapists. Or he he told us he's a therapist and then we found out that his wife is also a therapist. I'm like, ah, oh, that must work really well. They must have great communication. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Joey's dad. Later on at the apartment, Joey discovers his dad is having an affair with a woman in the city, Ronnie, for six years. Six years. So, okay, at this point, how old are the friends? They're like 24, 25. 24, 25. So basically like his whole almost adulthood. Since he was in high school. Yeah. Poor Joey. I know. That's got to be the worst like to figure out. Um, Ronnie, she's a pet mortician. Very weird job. Oh my god, that is weird. Do they? Is that a real? Is that thing? a real thing? Like well, that's taxidermy, but, but you can't actually stuff pets, right? Like, I, is that illegal? I don't think you can actually stuff your pets. I think that's pretty crossing the line, inhumane. But I mean, taxidermy is a thing, so why wouldn't I know? Like, if your animal died of like natural causes, or like <sighs> you had to put them to sleep, like with, I don't know. Look, there's weird stuff all over the place so i would believe that this shit this could exist Uh, yeah yeah so of course joey is very troubled realizing that his dad is living a double life Mm, he's not the man on the pedestal that he thought he was which is kind of sad what i've always thought is creepy is like when you hear about these men mostly men Mm. living the double lives it's like nobody ever knew it was like and then when you actually put the pieces together, you're like, oh, yeah, double life. But, like, how big of a sicko do you have to be to living a complete double life? Like, separate houses, separate states, separate families. You got some things going on upstairs that are just wrong with you. I don't want to go there. Nope. <clears throat> so, later on that day, Joey and Chandler find Ronnie sitting outside their apartment, and she's eating cheese nips. <laughs> that was well, the things to be eating. Cheese? Cheese nips. Uh, she, she's there to give Joey senior his hair for his big meeting tomorrow. Interesting. I had your good hair. Good hair. Yeah. And of course, like I, I say this one a lot. I don't know about you, but Chandler breaks the silence with, so who's up for a big game of Kerplunk? Oh my God. No, I've never said that. And I forgot about that line until I watched this episode. It's so good. Do you, have you played Kerplunk? I've never played Kerplunk. (gasps) 
I love Kerplunk. What is Kerplunk? It's so easy. So it's like you've got this like sphere thing with like buckets at the bottom and you put a bunch of sticks in holes in the sphere and then you dump a bunch of marbles into it's kind of like Jenga but a di- sticks and balls version. So you bunch of <laughs> you dump a bunch of marbles into the Kerplunk sphere and then one by one you start to pull out the sticks uh-huh. and like depending on who's pulling out the stick like the marbles will flow into your like segmented bucket at the bottom and whoever has the most bottoms whoever has the most marbles at the bottom in their bucket loses oh okay we might have to play we gotta play kerplunk i've never played it okay it's actually really fun because it's really simple i hate games for the most part like board games are boring but like games kind of like that where it's like not very invested you know you don't have to use your brain too much there's not a lot of strategy in Kerplunk. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, no. Don't ask me to play Settlers of Catan. Oh, I love Settlers. I know you do. Mm-hmm. Later on that, oh, we already talked about that. So she ends up staying at their apartment with uh, that night with jo- jo- Joey Sr. leaving Joey and Chandler to share the pull-out couch because Joey won't let them sleep in the same room together, which I, I get that. I respect. Yeah, that'd be weird. I would just, like, I would... I'd be already be pissed and then you're no mm-mm, you don't get to have fun on my watch now no i think yeah that's a good line joey handles it really well like oh he does I, he handles it really well i would have just probably lost my shit oh yeah absolutely not so joey has a talk with his dad and says you got to make a change either by breaking things off with ronnie or coming clean with ma mm-hmm. ma ma he's got his mom's best interests he's a mama's boy obviously oh one boy seven girls Mrs. Tribbiani. Yes. So that night, Joey tells Chandler, he's like, I'm worried I'm going to end up just like my dad. Um, but Chandler gives him a little pep talk. And he says, when the right co- woman comes along, I'm sure you'll be able to say, no, thanks. I'm, I'm married. married. <laughs> it's such a good turn of the line. Yes, because you think it's going one way. And then yeah. it's like, oh, wait. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, no, no. That's a good Good one. Yeah. I love that one-liner. So the next day, ooh, we meet Mrs. Tribbiani. Joey's mom comes to the apartment, and she's mad. She tells Joey he shouldn't have told his dad to tell the truth, and that she's actually known about the affair all along, because his ter- cover stories were terrible. I'm sleeping over at my accountant. I'm sleeping over at my accountant's. Like, what <laughs> is that? Oh, my God. She says, let it go. Um, she says she let it go on because he's happy. He has a hobby. Oh, my God. The... the- thought process in my head was just like i went down a dark rabbit hole i was just like what he has a hobby he and she's like he feels so ashamed about the affair he's more loving and attentive and poor joey he's just trying to do the right thing oh it was the right thing and that yeah, was really it was sweet it was joey. the right thing do you t- you absolutely you gotta tell tell him especially oh, yeah. if you're not in the house oh yeah you gotta tell him but i mean you know there's the those couples out there that have arrangements yeah you know, Beyonce, Jay-Z. Do they? I think it's a thing that, like, it's more of a biz arrangement. <laughs> I'm sure they have some sort of fondness, but yeah, allegedly. I don't want to get sued. Yeah, don't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> I, did you notice, it, it's kind of interesting, her acting is very, um, how do I say this? It, it's very dramatic and very, um, like... Yeah, she's Italian. Well, yeah, but it's more like I'm going to go over here and I'm going to look off into the distance and put my hand on my chin. And it's, Oh, you felt like it was like 
too much. Yeah, almost like a soap opera-y type thing where I'm like, she's overacting a little bit for me. Oh. So, yeah. Hot take. Yeah. Hot take on Mrs. Tribb. A little bit. She like walks over to the side and she must hit her mark at one point, but Joey doesn't come into the shot right away. So it's a little bit weird. I'm going to look at you with the critic's eye. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I didn't catch that at all. I was just like, <laughs> I like this lady. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. I like her too, but it's just kind of like, mm, this seems a little I mean, overdone. we'll talk a little bit about what she's done, but she has mm. been in a lot and she's won some Tonys. So she's used to like, Oh, yeah. She's used to that drama. So I actually, I would have to rewatch it, but I can see where you're probably pulling that from. Yeah. There's like a, there's a bit of a shift for me when you watch like 80s and 90s sitcoms where the 80s sitcoms and, you know, prior to that are a little bit more like melodramatic and then the 90s on are maybe a little bit more like subdued. Yeah. Like the 80s are kind of like, very, very, very tropey, very Ooh, good um, word. Tropey. Yeah, very tropey and just expected. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like all the roles are where they should be and nothing's out of place. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Maybe there's something there with that, but that was just my, Interesting. my hot take on that. <laughs> hot take. Okay, let's wrap it up. So Joe, uh, we find out that. Yeah, after talking, Joey's mom, dad, and Ronnie are just going to go back to the old ways and pretending that nothing's happening. Everyone's happy. Look, they're going to be happy. This is how they wanted it. More power to them. You go. You go, Glen Coco. You go, Glen Coco. Um, I looked this up because I was I was watching it on my second watch, and Chandler's like, "Things sure have changed here on Walton's Mountain." And I was like, "What is that?" I, I didn't get that reference either. It's we're not supposed to. We're okay. too young. So I went on Reddit, scary place. He's so he's referencing the old TV show The Waltons and using it as an example of a family friendly tele, family friendly television show that looks back on the past and like it's it's a morally ideal society. So kind of like what you were talking about, I think, oh. with like the older shows. But like he's just using it ironically as like a traditional, overly morally upright family, and he's contrasting that with the relatively degenerate family situation that Joey's describing. Ah, so it's almost like he's saying, you know, over here on Leave It to Beaver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, get it. Yeah. That's funny. I've never heard of the Waltons either. Me neither. It's but. a it's a looked like a very old show when I was looking it up. All right. So we talked this this episode has a lot of good guest stars. It's the episode of the guest star. It is. I mean, these people aren't like, it's not like your Bruce Willis's. No, but we got a lot of them all in one. So a lot of established actors. Yes. You know, people that you may not realize, but they've been in a lot. Yeah. So our first one is Fisher Stevens and he plays Raj. Roger. Hate that guy. Um, so he was actually born Stephen Fisher. Good flip of the name. Yes, you go. I I actually really like that flip. I think Fisher's kind of a cool name. Yeah, I agree. It's, cool. um, it's interesting. He, he's an American actor, director, producer, and writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so his most recent successes include winning the 2010 Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature for The Cove. Did you ever see that? I've never seen that. Have oh. you? Yeah. What's that about? If I'm remembering it right, I believe it's about dolphins in like a Japanese cove <gasps> that they 
Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Ooh. It's not pleasant. No, nope. it, it's not the touchy feely. It'll make you very upset. Yeah, I'm pretty sure now I have seen that now that you reminded me. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> I mean, good job, Fisher Stevens. It was a very good documentary and definitely wakes you up. You're like, oh, damn it. Yeah, no kidding. We suck. We need to be nice to our we oceans. We suck again. Yeah. Um, so he also was, in 2008, um, won the Independent Spirit Award for Best Documentary Featuring, or Feature for Crazy Love. I don't know what that is. I don't either, but it sounds great. <laughs> but this next one, Ooh, this I'm is, interested in. This is the big one. So he yeah. stars as Hugo Baker on the HBO satirical series Succession. I just started that. Yes. Okay. I've heard. Have you seen it? No, but I've heard Succession is amazing. So it's on my list. I'm way behind you guys. I'm. I'm the content sh- plate runneth over. Yes. I am literally just watching Wednesday. <laughs> hey, that's on my list too. It's amazing. Okay. Good to know. But, Succession is also amazing. So. Okay. At we'll, least our lists are good. We'll trade off when I'm done. Then you can watch yeah. that. Um, so our next one is. Robert Costanzo, and he plays Joey Sr. Mm-hmm. So Robert Costanzo was born October 20th, 1942 in New York. So you can he's, tell. He's a native. Um, he's an actor and producer, and he was actually really known for Total Recall. That's the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Um, and then Die Hard 2. Bruce Willis mm-hmm. and Saturday Night Fever. Some good movies. Yeah. And so he also like he stars in them. He's also like a producer in some of these two, which is kind of interesting. Um, but he's actually played the same character, Detective Harvey Bullock, in four different series. So Batman, the animated series, Superman, the animated series, the new Batman adventures and Static Shock. I never noticed that. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen all of the superhero ones i don't know what static shock is no i i mean i think these might be animated series so i haven't seen them no wonder i don't know who he looks like (laughs) well okay well there you go there you go robert costanzo also goes by bobby he's in some of some of those as a bobby costanzo so you go you go bobby robert um then our next guest star is brenda vaccaro and she plays Mrs. Gloria Tribbiani. Natalie's favorite. Oh, I do like her. I just think that she's a little melodramatic. But she's also a native New Yorker. She was born in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, but she was raised in Dallas, Texas. Interesting. With our late our other friend, Morgan Fairchild. Mm-hmm. Um, she was nominated for three Tony Awards. So this is kind of what you're talking about, T. Yeah. Um, 1966 is Best Supporting or Featured Actress in a Drama for Cactus Flower. Never seen it. Um, 1968 is Best Actress in a Musical for How Now Dow Jones. <laughs> and in 1969 is Best Actress in a Drama for The Goodbye People. Again, things I've never seen, but her acting career was, you know, 60s centered. So you got to think about like in the 60s, yeah. what was, you know, the acting style like? So dramatic. Very dramatic. This last one, though, has a lot of interesting connections. So many. So our uh, gal who plays Ronnie is Lee Garlington. Um, she has recurring roles in several notable notable television series, including The West Wing, The Killing, Flash Forward, Everwood, The Riches, The Bridge, Will and, Will and Grace. Your fave. One of my faves. CSI, Crime Scene oh. Investigation, Mistresses, and Roseanne. 
Damn. She has been around, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, so originally, she was part of the Seinfeld cast. That's crazy. I would have never known, but how would we have known? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. So th- crazy that this happened, but she was going to play a waitress who would give Jerry and George friendly advice, which sounds really cool, right? I, I actually kind of like I that setup. I that for her. But when they examined the pilot, they dropped her character and hired Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who played Jerry's ex-girlfriend, Elaine. I think that was a good move. Totally. I mean, I think that that made that series. And look, I'm not a Seinfeld aficionado. I actually have never seen the series all the way through. Me neither. So I, I can't say for sure. But from what I know of Seinfeld, like, I don't think that that would have been as successful without Julia Louis-Dreyfus. No. But no, no, no. And then Miss Lee Garlington, our Ronnie, she played Robert Costanzo's mistress in an episode of Friends and played his wife in an episode of Will and Grace 10 years later. Oh, okay. Is that so, not- sh- so they've been di- they've been working together. Right? Is that not wild? That's that is bizarre. So so funny. Well, so. I think what we're learning through this rewatch is like everything is connected. It's all the 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon. Is that is that the thing? 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. All right. So much fun. Now we're going to get into some bloopers and blunders. What are the moot points? We got some moot points. So mm-hmm. when Joey's dad enters the apartment, Joey closes the door. But when Ronnie and his dad say, well, we'll just go to the hotel, the door is still open. And then Joey closes it. Mm-hmm. So continuity aired there because doors can't just open on their own usually. Unless- I was I was watching really closely, though. And there is like a very small chance that like while the cameras panned, he could have opened it, but again, that's giving him some credit. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe enough ambiguity to say, yeah, fix mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, Phoebe's scrunchie moves up and down at the end when she's having that last chat when Raj goes <laughs> nuclear on her. Yeah. <laughs> that was bugging me. I could see it just up and down. Like, up and down. What is going on? I kept thinking, okay, well, it would make sense if it just kept moving down because, like, it's just yeah. sinking out of her hair. But no, 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 it goes up and down. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this one's kind of funny. So at first Ross seems upset that Chandler saw Rachel's movies, obviously a little jealous, obviously, but then later he suggests Rachel see Chandler's pee pee. <laughs> so it seems like quite the flip. Like, why would you want your crush to see your best friend's pee pee? The only thing I can think is like to cover up that he wouldn't want like his jealousy and mm-hmm. like the, his feelings for Rachel and like trying to be funny. And obviously Chandler knows how he feels about Rachel. So that's what I'm thinking. Unless Ross was just like, I'm going to be the big, bigger person. I'm going to be a mature adult and understand that it's not that big of a deal and move on. And like, okay, cool. We like you. Yes. This is funny. So yeah. who knows? Not that big of a deal, but just an interesting caveat. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Gloria Tribbiani comes to the apartment, Joey can't get the bed in the couch. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you noticed this, but like it kind of pops back up at him. Oh, I didn't. And I don't think that that was intentional. Yeah. And I think that Matt LeBlanc went with that. And okay, like, nice. He was just like, oh, like you'll have to watch it. But it, it's kind of interesting. I think that he kind of like rolled with that on on the set. So I love when they do that. Yes. Love that. No hard bloopers for this one. No. That's okay. We got a lot on this one anyways. You know, a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. So we're actually going to take a really quick break and then we will be right back. Into Fashion Watch. Thinking I could Morals? do a shoot. It was spring. 
groundbreaking. All right. Well, we got Miranda Priestley in the room. So that means Fashion Watch. Fashion Watch. Okay, the first one, the first thing I was so excited for. Oh, my gosh. This is awesome. The Rachel haircut is here. It is here. We have arrived. The haircut is here. It looks so good. Like, finally, this is what we've been waiting for. Yes, there is no styling needed. There is no more cutting. It has arrived. Yeah, it's chic. It's perfectly cut. The style is, like, right at the shoulders, like we said. Like, it's here. It's Mm -hmm. good. It's ready to be obsessed over. Yes. On the other side of that, I was like, as much as I'm obsessed with Rachel's haircut, I hate Monica's haircut with these bizarre bangs. Oh, my God. It looks awful. And like, who did that to her? Oh, it, it's terrible. And it's like her like little. um. Oh, God. What is it at the bottom? It's like she almost like, like the flip. Yeah, I, I hate that. I my comment on here was like. What is she, a pilgrim this episode? Like the high-necked, like button-up things with the vests. I know. I was like, because I was doing all the outfits, and I'm like, we get so much good stuff from Rachel. And like Monica had that silver dress. Phoebe, I think we're just, they're just not giving Phoebe enough credit. But Monica, like, what are they doing with her character and her styling? It is just not good. It's bizarre, this episode. It's really weird. And she she doesn't have a lot of shining moments and I, i'm starting to notice really just how bad it is and it's the haircut it's the really weird costumes like i just don't think they've found her style like we know phoebe okay you want to use some drapes as a dress go for it rachel is always going to look amazing and but like monica they just have no idea what they're doing she they She's the worst styled person on this show so far all of the guys are better all of the girls are better like she is losing you just want to have some drapes as a dress. That's I mean, <laughs> what else do you want to call them? Right. No, so I was looking at something the other day, and there is a point, and we're going to find it in the series, but there was something I saw analyzing Monica and Courtney Cox and when they found her color. Oh. And when they find it, it is evident. I mean, they do dress her in some of it in the first series, but or first season, but when they kind of figure out what looks good on her, mm-hmm. boom, like, she's in it all the time. Like they find her color palette, you're th- saying? Yeah. So they really find to make her stand out, they put her in red. Yeah. And red is definitely her color because she's got that those dark, dark features, but she's got those really bright blue mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. And so it makes her stand out. And it's so I think when her character is having those moments, those shining moments, red is her. Yeah. So we're going to watch for that. But yeah, this what bad. It's, it's so it's bad. Not New York. It's just not good. Mm-mm. Um, I was looking Ronnie, her whole outfit. I was like, I feel like I'm looking at David Bowie with the hair, the jacket, <laughs> the shi- like the shiny leggings and the boots. Like it was just I was like, I feel like this is a woman, David Bowie. Now that you say that, I can't unsee that. Right? It it does look like a female David Bowie. Yeah. The hair especially. You're just like, huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, MVP of the show, as we've talked about with as far as fashion and hair, Rachel. Her blue jean halter top with the white t-shirt and the black skirt. So cute. So cute. Where can I get that? Like that know. you don't see. Uh-uh. And I would like it. That halter top specifically yes. too. Like that is so unique. And I don't think I've ever seen that before it's very 90s and you just yeah can we bring that back (laughs) um uh, you guys know how i feel about phoebe's drape dresses this this dress like 
Green, blue, purple, orange maxi dress. Oh my God. The long sleeves underneath it. Oh. Did you see her shoes when she put her feet up too on the uh, couch? I did, but I don't think I had like a reaction to them. Probably because I was focusing on the the disgusting dress. dress. Yeah. No, they were like these like leather loafer pilgrim type shoes. They were, we're not very favorable to pilgrims apparently, on this podcast. We really hate pilgrims. Screw the pilgrims. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, oh God, that dress is horrendous. Yeah. Um, bringing it home for the guys, Joey's turtlenecks this episode. The man can make a turtleneck work. He can work it. He, it looks good. It really does. He, we've talked a lot about turtlenecks because y'all know how I feel about a turtleneck. <laughs> yes. But it, he has always been either the mock turtleneck or the real turtleneck. They put him in it and he just, he, it looks, looks so good. It looks so good on him. He's yummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's it for Fashion Watch. Lots of good ones. We've got the Rachel haircut. Woohoo. Somebody please, maybe we should just go make our own Jane Halter. Oh, no kidding. I know. All right, we're at the end here, which means we gotta we gotta give some nominations. Yes. So, best friend and frenemy. Who, who do you who do you got? T. I want to know who you got first. Okay, so my mug is going to Joey. <gasps> okay. I don't think I've ever given him my mug, and I I've thought I don't think I have. No, you almost. I did, almost and did. Then you you took it back. I lied. You, lied. you did. I so did. my first my first Joey mug. Yay! Woo-hoo. So I think. That it was so sweet. He did what he thought his mom would have wanted. He navigated again. Huge parental landmine. Like all of the friends are navigating these huge parental situations. And again, he has to parent his parent because parents are people too. Parents are people too, everyone. (laughs) Dang it. Well, that's mine too. Okay. It's also Joey. I mean, I feel like this is a very obvious one though because he is going through the biggest like turbulent thing during the episode. Yeah. And he handles it so well. Mm -hmm. But if I had to give a like nomination for backup, um, I would say Chandler. Really? Yeah. Honorable men. Honorable mention. He, you know, he was just really kind to Joey. Like, I know that when you find the right girl, you'll tell her, Mm -hmm. thanks, I'm married. Like he's comforting his friend in that moment. And that's where their little like love story, if you will, kind of bromance, the bromance. Yes. So funny you say this, this will segue into my frenemy. I was going to nominate Chandler as my frenemy. Oh. And then I decided against it. Originally, I was like, well, I guess, because it was hard. I had a really hard time choosing the frenemy this episode because I thought they were all so great. Really? I didn't have a hard time at all. So I'm no super way. surprised. Yeah, no, not at all. Okay. Well, unless you're picking Roger, I think it's a really hard time. <laughs> no, so I, I thought Chandler maybe because he sets off the whole like booby peeping competition. Like he saw Rachel's boobies first. Yeah, it was an accident. It was though. an accident. And that and that's you know, it was an accident. I was like, well, no. So I chose Phoebe. Me too. Is it because she introduced her friends to such a weenie of a guy? It wasn't that she introduced them, it was that or she had to get like a, almost like a wake up call from them. Yeah. Like if I would have seen a person that I'm newly dating talk to my friends like that and like kind of cut them down yeah that's why i was like if i would have heard him say to monica like food isn't love i would have been like uh excuse me yeah go fuck yourself go to that movie by yourself dude Mm -hmm. so that was wise because she should have been more self-aware that he is not being kind to her friends Mm -hmm. instead of 
needing a wake up call. I think, I think, um, I think Monica and Rachel, she should have had like her antennas go up. Cause like Ross is kind of funny. Like we all love to make fun of Ross Chandler. His was actually pretty accurate on Chandler. Mm-hmm. Rachel, he just gets her crying and then adioses and then makes that comment to Monica. Like, okay, who are you, Brad Pitt? Right. So, yeah. okay. Glad we're honorable mention to Roger. Yes. I hate that guy. Hate that guy. <laughs> Sandwich rating. I'm so interested. I was really excited to rate this episode. Really? Yes. I, I mean, I can't give this a three. I think it's a four. Okay. Cause it's, okay. but it's like a, it's like a 3.5 for me. It's like not quite as it's good a as week four. It's a week four because we've given our fours to like our holiday episodes and those mm-hmm. ones are so classic, but they're not worthy of the fives. So I don't know. So this one's above average for me, but not quite there. I must be in a really fucking good mood. I gave it a five. <laughs> what? Yes. How did you give that a five? I love this episode. Oh my gosh. You are so funny. Okay. that is- I love this episode. The writing is so good. The fashion is so good. The characters, Rachel's haircut, like it's such a good episode. Like, I don't know. I was just like thinking like, what do I read this? And I was like, you know what? I really love this episode. Like this is one I could watch over and over and over again. And it's so good. I think the little comp, the, the booby peeping competition, like <laughs> just the one liners, like, Hey, I married a lesbian to make you look good. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Joey is having an embolism. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, oh. It's so good. Now we I have feel really bad. S- no, you stay strong. I mean, okay. it's rare that I'm in such a good mood. I know. What, <laughs> what are you drinking today? <laughs> I'm still totally sober. <laughs> um, yeah. I was surprised. It's like, this is my first five. Oh, I love it for the five. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it. The one with the boobies. Love it. Um, next time we'll, we'll check in on how we're doing on our smut novels. Oh my God. I cannot I'm so wait. interested to crack this thing open. All right. Well, thank you so much, you guys, um, listening to Pivot Podcast. If you want, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get the podcast. Um, follow along on Instagram. We'll be posting some stuff. I think we'll be posting our books. We'll post some awesome fashions and just a little bit more as we get more into the gram. Also, email us. These emails are great. Please keep them coming. Don't take my wind at gmail.com with all your question, comments, and thoughts. Concerns? Yeah, we'll take some concerns. Do it. How about this? If you email us, you can say whatever the hell you want. Yes, it is open forum. Open season. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.